Welcome, welcome back to another one of our amazing episodes here at 39 Drunken Sorties. Uh, I guess I'm your host. As you know me and love me, Giant Bob in the basement here in my private little studio coming at you live as we always do. Roughly 8 o'clock every Monday. I mean, sometimes these things change a little bit. Actually, I'm going to have to change up my morning routine when I introduce myself tonight because one of our key members can't be here momentarily. He's dealing with a personal situation of the utmost seriousness. So we're going to excuse him for his absence until he tunes in later. And I'm sure he'll drop in at some point during the episode. But without ado, I'll introduce my other lovely co-host. Who's this every week? Mr. Lars. Mr. Lars there at Laughing Viking Studios. Give us a hand, yeah? Oh, hey, yeah. Good to see you. Hello, hello, hello. Excellent. Excellent. I'm doing very well. How are you, man? Are you surviving it? Good, man. Had a solid day. It was a beautiful, sunshiny day today. I got some sun. Uh, I did too. Yeah. Got some good food. Went for a long walk. I reloaded from uh, Honey Pot. Um, got some tweed sativa here. So... Got some, got some creative juices happening. Nice, nice. Yeah. I tell you, you know, me, I got a McClays in hand and I'm ready to rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. So Trev, uh, unfortunately, is uh, running a bit late dealing with some things right now. But uh, Bob and I are going to hold down the fort right here and uh, kick her off. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to take point on this one and we'll hold it down without him for now. We miss him, but we'll know, again, we'll know he'll drop in when he can. So we're not worried about it. That's the great thing about this podcast. It's kind of loosey-goosey. Sometimes uh, one of us is uh, not around. Sometimes you go camping. Sometimes I'm in New York. Sometimes Trev's in L.A. That's it. Sometimes you buy a lot of and everyone's got to put it in H and just carry on. Put it in H. You know, got to love them Russian cars. We're in the middle of a global pandemic right now. Yeah, close up scared face. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, I have to spend more time with people I love online, which is weird because I'm already weird that way. So I guess it works out. I assume most people watching the show are in the same boat as us. So, you know, some of the survival tips that we've been passing around amongst each other, I think are pertinent for everybody, right? Like, we were just talking about which porn server people are using. And I think that's a great thing to add to the comments. If you have if you have your favorite porn server and you think it's probably not being used enough, then all you can do is, you know, you can drop us a line on one of our many, many you know, social media outlets and tell us all about it because we'd love the traffic. And besides which, you know, anytime we can be associated with some of our favorite things, we're going to go for it. So what is your favorite? You- uh, I, I, I'm a Pornhub guy because it's convenient. It's easy. Right. And it's got like 50 million pics of every horrible thing you could possibly imagine, you know? So if you're, if you're down and out and dirty and you think you want to find something guaranteed, it's there. It's there. Yeah, Pornhub is like Your Pornhub will not like be the missed. Google of porn. It's the it's pretty standard. Yeah, it's like exactly. Google, YouTube. Yeah, like some people prefer, prefer more personal touches. More, you know, uh, this is my fetish. But I prefer kind of a, a, a I don't know a sprinkling of candy across the entire coating. Right, I like to see what's going on. So. A buffet, you like a buffet? What's new? What's trending these days? Exactly. Do you, do you click it's on. The closest- do you click on trending, or do you go by category, or do you? No, go see, it automatically. If you don't know, if you're if you're a neophyte to this scene, it automatically says categories that you may have searched before. Right. It's like, oh, this is this would be good for you, but it also says what's currently hot now. It just appears top of the list. So, like, as you as you scroll down, it's like, oh, look, there's a whole bunch of stuff I haven't seen, stuff I have seen, stuff I might want to see, etc. Their their search engine's pretty good that way because it kind of it baits you in right off. It's like, here we go, we got you. <laughs> We know you kind of like this, so let's just carry on and give you a little more of that until you, you know, right. reach out and grab something else. Right. So, you know, you've seen too much when you you land on Pornhub and you're like, seen it, seen it. Seen yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. It just reminds me again of like you know Green Day songs, like when masturbation's lost is fun, you're fucking right. nothing. Like, you know, you spent so much time at home in quarantine that you've jerked your palm raw, you've grown a beard you didn't know you had. Like, you know, it's coming out from between your fingers, and you can't find any Vaseline, even though it's not an essential service. You're like, what the fuck's going on? You know? Yeah, life becomes difficult in these days of pandemic. You can definitely get swept away on the on the current of your own self-flagellation. You got to be safe these days, and you got to use Purell instead of lube. Or use pure oh, That'd be horrible. You dry out so fast, you hurt yourself <laughs> really quickly, man. That don't, that's not good advice, ladies and gentlemen at home. Don't do that. Yeah, we are not a doctor. Please, you're better. You're better off just using ivory soap if you're running out that bad. Honestly, at least yeah. that's good for your skin. 
Right. Wow. Hand sanitizer is actually not good near any open mucous membranes. Like imagine squirting it in your eye. Wouldn't be good. It's probably not as fun in other mucous membranes, let's say, you know? True. True. Without being too without being too crude, you know, don't get it in your urethra because you'll probably not like it very much. Suffice to say, you know, <laughs> scientifically speaking, I'm sure those that are out there on YouTube and in the wide world of the internet will prove me wrong by doing it and pretending that it didn't hurt you. But frankly, I'm not going to try it. That was like, like an that's like an anti ad for your, for Purell. Like, no Purell, it's great for your hands after the fact. That's what they're at to be after the fact. Are you taking things in hand? Purell after the fact. Like that's the ad campaign. You got to be careful, right? Public safety, prop, you know. I think that's a slogan that pretty much stands for a lot of products. Don't get it in your urethra. There's a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we can make an enormous list of terrible things that don't belong. Right. There, I'm sure we could if we really went for it. Hidden Valley Ranch dressing. Just That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Turtle wax. Right. Uh, Sheps, uh, we got a chat. Uh, Sheps, shout out to Sheps in the chat. He says, uh, "I've been using a condom when getting my rocks off. I don't know where my hand has been." <laughs> yeah. Well. I don't know where one of my hands has been, but that's what alien hand syndrome will do for you. Nice. No. Shout out to all those who can't control one of their hands. Woo! So uh, what else have you been doing with your time during pandemic? Uh, we've, we've given the shout out to the porn industry, which by the way, is probably one of the industries that is booming right now. Probably a ton Actually, of- I watched, Yeah, ton I watched a couple of interesting videos from, from people in the porn industry talking about how this has been just an absolute godsend for them. It's like, are you kidding? My website went from like 20 views a week to like 5,000 views a day. And I'm like, <laughs> that's amazing. You know, Full-time business. No, I've been playing a lot of video games. Like I said, in one of my, uh, one of my uh, Instagram posts, I said, you know, if it wasn't for Pornhub, Nintendo switch and YouTube, I'd probably be out of my mind right now. <laughs> but yeah, I've been playing a lot of video games. I'm really down with the Mario maker. I've been making levels online and, and, and screwing around with that for quite a bit. They just had a huge update, so that's a, that's a huge game. Shout out to Nintendo for once again kicking it out of the ballpark. What was your yeah. first ever video game system that you like grew up on? I had an, I had an Atari. Nice. Uh, I remember games like Food Fight and Caterpillar and you know, joust and all those games that were just so terrible. They're almost unplayable, but you know, nostalgic in their own weird way. And then I moved on. I had a Nintendo and I also had a Sega and uh, yeah, I was one of those video game kids. I had like all kinds of video games. I played video games like, yeah, the fat kids remorse in, in, in the early nineties and late eighties was that there was not enough video games around to keep you occupied all the time. Cause frankly you had to go to school and stuff like that. Right. Right. Like my routine every weekend was, you know, I'd have a friend sleep over or something on a Friday and we would buy, we'd rent video games from the convenience store and buy a bunch of snack food. Exactly. And those video games would be the weekend's entertainment. You'd like play the games so you like absolutely kick the shit out of them. And then maybe, maybe a couple movies too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you load up on chips, a couple, two liters of pop, bunch of candy, yeah. maybe some licorice. Huh? And if I was like, you know, if I did all my chores and everything else, we were allowed to like order pizza or something on Friday night. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah. yeah. When I, when I, uh, when I was a kid, I would have the type of buddies, like some of my best friends, like you'd have like your, your close circle and you'd yeah, yeah. do sleepovers or one of them would have a bunch of you over. But a, a lot of my friends, we would have like these, like, like the weekend sleepovers, but to the point where at the end of the weekend, you like fucking hated each other. <laughs> like you were just, yeah. like, <laughs> you were just sick of each other. Stop touching my stuff and get out of my house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like for the last three hours, you didn't even talk to the guy. You were just in like opposite ends of the house. Your mom's here. Yeah, like on Friday, you're like, you're begging, you're, you're begging your dad. or like, come on, come on, let me have one more guy over. One more. And then on, on Sunday, you're like, get the fuck out of my house. You know what I mean? Like, there's the garden hose. You want water? There's hose outside. Beat it. Like, your mom's coming. And they ate all the good food. Right. Yeah. That was, yeah. My buddy Rich used to come and just open the fridge and look in it 
<laughs> it was one of those things that worded me out for years and years and years. Like, I, he was always afraid there just wouldn't be food. You know what I mean? So, like, we, we'd be at my house, just hanging out for a bit. We're going to go out and play tag or something. I'd look over. He'd just be over. He'd just open the fridge and just look inside. Like, he needed to make sure there was actually food in there, like, just in case, you know? Right. Like, if the, if the bombs drop right now, there better be supplies. That was sort of like, it looked like, you know? It, was just, it always worded me out. Years and years, I'm like, why do you keep opening the fucking fridge? Like, you're not getting anything. You don't want anything. You just want to see there's things in there. Like, what, what are you looking for? Did he ever explain himself? No. That's one of those dick mysteries. You're like, hey, Rick, like, uh, you hungry? Did you ever yeah. ask him if he was hungry? Oh, yeah. Tons of times. I'm like, you want to say I'm something? No. And he just closed the fridge. And I'd be like, well, what, what are you expecting to find in there? A severed head? Like, what are you looking for? <laughs> Maybe it was like Ghostbusters and he was like looking for Zool or whatever, you know? <laughs> That's what I mean. That's what I mean. I've known, the guy, I've known the guy for 20 plus years and I still don't understand like what the fridge thing was about. Don't get it. Interesting. I don't even think he knows. It's like one of those weird obsessive compulsive behaviors you just kind of do. You don't even know why you do it. I don't know. Everyone has them. I just like to stare at food. <laughs> yeah. No, I think for, I think it's a safety thing. Like it's a safety blanket thing. He likes to know there is food. Right. It doesn't really matter if he can have it or if like, you know. Are we good? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Let's go outside. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's go to the playground. Okay. Like if need be, there will be food. Okay, good. You know right. Nah. No, not really. No, it's like, <laughs> okay. Well, that's good. I like that. Difference between like the, the hunter and the gatherer, you know what I mean? The hunter's like, oh, there'll be food. Believe you me. And the gatherer's like, are you sure? Let's just make sure. Right. You know? There's a hunter, a gatherer, and then just the guy that kind of just stands around. <laughs> yeah. Then there's the dude who's like, I've always just eaten whatever people left around. Is that like the wrong move? You know? Scavenger. Yeah. That's right. I like it. Oh, and everybody knows that guy. Everyone knows that guy who's like, you going to finish that? You know what I mean? Everyone has that friend who's like, you're in the middle of eating. Yes, I ordered it. I'm eating it. You, you going to finish that? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. You know, or at the you know at the end of the at the end of dinner, people, the guy who like eats other people's pizza crusts. You know, you know what I mean? Totally, I've been that guy. Yeah. Oh, totally, still have I. But I'm just saying, everyone knows that guy who's like that. Everyone knows the guy who's like that to the point where it's weird. Right. You know, like just the, the entree has just arrived. You've had like four or five bites. You gonna finish that? Or do you want that roll? It's like yeah, exactly. Damn roll. You know, what I mean? exactly. like what do you mean? The last roll. You know how many last rolls I've had? Other people's rolls. Yeah. Yeah. You down with you down you down with OPR. Um what was I gonna say? Um oh so usually we're talking about crazy drunken disorderly stories. Um Trev's not here yet. Uh so I was kinda in my mind thinking that maybe we could share some of Bob's non drunken disorderly side like 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 we have been uh hobbies, one being Pornhub apparently. Sure. And uh, also um uh, we talked a little video games. Um, yeah. I, you know, I'm a man of many hats. And I wear this one most often. But yeah. but by which I mean esoterically, the things that I do are very diverse and different. Um, I read a lot. And my neighbor is really sweet. She's been giving us books. Because she's like, she caught me on the porch reading something one time. She's like, oh, you read? You read actual books? And I'm like, yes, I read actual books. She's like, how about this guy? And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, totally. And so she's been stacking books up for me to read, which is pretty cool, adding you, to my life. Have, have people always prejudge you because of your size? They think you're a meathead? Um, like, is uh, that it, it does happen, but the fact that I'm usually carrying a paperback around in my pocket gotcha. helps to kind of break. Like, I'm sitting on the subway, and I'll see a guy look at me, and they do the double take because there I am holding a book like this, you know? like, And right. so – it kind of blows the the trend. What I find nowadays, which is really odd, and I'm not sure if anyone else experiences who actually reads paperback or hardcover books, but you'll encounter elderly people on the transit, well, not anymore, but now and, now and again, and they'll say to you, oh, it's so nice to see a young person actually reading. And you're like, shut up, grandma. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's such a weird thing, though, right? Like, yeah, everyone on their phones, right. most of them are reading something. But that, that connection between the physical book 
and the psychological idea of reading has changed so dramatically in the last two generations, you know? Uh, yeah, I was going to say those people weren't double taking that it was you reading a book. They were just double taking that. Someone was reading. They were yeah. like, that is it. It was like, whoa, whoa, is that a, a what the fuck is that? Is that a, is that a book? Book? Boo? I what thought I thought you just used those to prop up your coffee table. You know what I mean? Like, what the hell? What's the last yeah, book? What's the, what's the last book you read, or the current book you're reading? I just finished. A, I actually posted on Instagram about that too. I just finished a book by Michael Connolly called City of Bones. Nice, really good book. Solid. Not bad. Man. What's it? What's yeah. uh, is it? Fact fiction? Uh, murder, murder mystery fiction. It's uh, film. It's sort of. Sort of um, Hollywood noir takes place. You know, the guy, the, the lead lead character is a uh, you know a homicide detective in Hollywood, and uh, his name is Hieronymus Bosch, which is pretty cool because that's one of my favorite painters. Cool. cool. What's the name of the? I gotta, I'm gonna write that down. I feel like I need to read it. Would I? You think I'd like it? I like. You might. That. Yeah, absolutely. Michael Connolly, and a book's called City of Bones. Michael Connolly. Hey. He's, written a, he's written a bunch of a bunch of cop drama and and you know legal dramas and stuff like that. They're really cool. Mystery, good mysteries. The solid plot lines. Characters are decent. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't bash you over the head with too many technical terms either. So it's sort of just a fun ride through someone else's experience, which I like. Right. Uh, big. Uh, we got some big news. Very special part of the show here. Uh, for those of you watching, you know what's going on. We are going. To our roving reporter in the streets, the football jogger, our buddy, Nabbers. What's up, Nabbers? Hey, thanks, Lars. I'm just uh, standing in the backyard here. Oh, no, we lost him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great. Oh, no. Nabbers? Nabbers? Oh, no, Bob, what do we do? We... We lost. I, I think I think he's been kidnapped by technical difficulties. Right, right. Imagine this is the last, like last scene, last heard, and we get dragged. Yeah. We get. All we know, him. all we know for sure is that he's in his backyard. And he's got a beer in his hand. Yeah. I got some uh, tequila. Out of boy. The gym. Nice. You did. You just. Pop you just got back from the gym? No, no, I'm drinking El Jim. Oh, oh, El Jim. El Jim. El Jim. That's fantastic. Yeah. Are you working out? No, I'm getting <laughs> plastered. Are you at the gym? El Jim. El Jim. No, I love it, Navers. That's fantastic. Well, Navers is a personal trainer, for those of you who don't know. Uh, yeah. Yep, yep. And then uh, I got I got some chicken on the grill. I got this wood-fired smoker, so I got the grill going on here. And I got chicken. Sorry, wow. Yeah. That is living. Show us more. Take us around the chicken. Tell us what's going on there. What, how'd you do it? How'd you prepare it? A little cooking show here. All right, hold on. Let me see this. I'm going to see. Yeah, it's our, man, our man on the road, McNabbers, is coming to us live with a cooking update from his backyard. This is the grill. What do we have on the grill, madame? Oh, yeah. right. This is actually a Traeger wood smoker. So uh, we got the well, wood. Even better. We got the pellets going on here. We got a little hickory blend. And then, uh, you know, the steel over. And then uh, we lift out the rack. And all we've got here, so we did like a salt, pepper, garlic. Shut up. We did a salt, pepper, garlic uh, rub down. And then a little bit of uh, pirate spice. Uh, a little bit of oil, and threw these suckers on. I'm going to take them off and slather them in barbecue sauce. That's the plan. Boom. Thank you. That's that fantastic. So a roving backyard you, barbecue reporter. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I have absolutely no idea what I'm going to eat tonight, but now you made me think of the barbecue, so I might have to go crank that fucker on and see what's up out there. But mm -hmm. um, that's great. Also, you guys at home listening to this, or what have you, you should also send us your survival recipes, what you're making at home, how you're living, how you're eating. I mean, any way that we can convince you, hook, crook, or fiat, to come and, and, and you know, participate with us on this wild world that is the internet, we were going to try. 
we're definitely going to try. So like I said, if it's a cooking show, it's a cooking show. You, you send us your food items. I will try and make some of them for fuck's sake. If you try that, you know, I'm good with that. For the first like five weeks of this lockdown shutdown situation, I ate pretty much nothing but protein bars and coffee. <laughs> I had just happened to buy like, like a, a couple of weeks before all this happened. I bought 20 cases of protein bars online, just found a deal. And, and then all of this happened. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm not going to buy food. I'm just going to eat. I, I literally was eating like 10 protein bars a day. And that was my, that would, I would eat that. <laughs> wow. You must've been like ludicrously regular. Yeah, you're basically dropping off protein bars. You know what I mean? They're almost the same coming out as going. <laughs> yeah, 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 they were exactly the same. <laughs> you just yeah. reduced them. You just reduced them from ten. It goes down. You have like two protein bars a day if you really wanted to keep bucketing that shit. Right, I repackaged them at the end too. See, my dad, my dad bought a bunch of survival food. Oh, really? Yeah, you know, you know those plastic tubs about, you know, yay big with the black lids or whatever. Like, look like kitty litter tubs. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like that. Well, anyway, we got, like, two of those absolutely full of these pre-prepared, like, MREs, like meals ready to eat. So there's, like, entrees and breakfast. We haven't actually tried them. So maybe on one of these episodes I should bust out, like, a meal ready to eat and try one of those out because I'm oh, sure they're sure. interesting. Do a live yeah. review. Yeah. yeah. I've seen a few of those from, like, old, like – you know, uh, Civil War era canned foods and stuff like that. What What do you got to do with it? Uh, do you have to like? You just open the package, and like sometimes some of them I think they have to boil them in water, but I don't think that. I think they're like literally. There's a chemical reaction that heats up whatever's in the package, and you just eat it. Like you know, put a spoon in it. Just like so I have no idea what the hell is in there, and they're probably very weird. It's like a lunchable. It's like a military lunchable. I'm wearing my. Absolutely. I got Absolutely. my. I got my camos on here. So I, yeah, I really want to ask you a question here. Um, <laughs> so usually, like when I'm cooking or grilling or whatever, I I try and make friends with the neighbors. You know, go and like give them a couple of drumsticks or whatever. You know, a little sauce, say hi. You know, but do you think that's okay in this? in this climate do you think that would be oh, well received absolutely not no no one's gonna take that i would no, no one wants that I would. actually i talked no. to my no here's how you do it though here's how you do it you this is the trick to, to make it psychologically okay you pre-wrap whatever you're going to give them Ooh, in tin foil, right which is just like take a sheet of tin foil, you pull it off the barbecue toss it in there roll it up and you put it on top of the fence whatever and say hey man Here's a couple extra. If you're handing it to them directly, people will be like, ooh, that's germy. But for some reason, the idea of packaging takes that totally out of their minds. I mean, oh, yeah. Right. People are serving at takeout restaurants, so I guess well, it think makes about sense. it. Think about it. The, the person that packaged your chicken when they put it in the package was handling it. You know, and they probably had gloves or something on, but still they handled like 10,000 pieces of chicken before right. yours. It really, right. the idea that packaging equals cleanly Right. It's just it's just hardwired into us. So, Nabbers, you need to put a mask on, a surgical gown, uh, a face shield, gloves, and use tongs and have it pre-wrapped, and that will be acceptable. <laughs> yeah, double no, Also, don't forget, yeah, you need a hairnet and a beard net, because, you know. Yeah. And keep the distance. Should I just fire up the old bubble? Tongs yeah, and exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> No, see, honestly, it depends on your neighbors too. Like I, you know, I think some casual stuff needs to be remembered that, you know, like seriously, unless you're very sick and you're sneezing all over your chicken and trying to hand it to someone, chances are they're not <laughs> viruses off of it, right? No, I mean, it has to be said in these air in this yeah. era of panic, there has to be some calm, reasonable. Right. We have to we have to weigh these things with a little bit of fucking common right. sense. Yeah, everybody doesn't have it at all times. I think that's that's a weird way to operate. To like, like my neighbor's giving me books to read. It, like my neighbor gives me books to read and leaves the newspaper on my porch. If I was afraid of dying that badly, I wouldn't take the newspaper and I wouldn't read her books because uh oh, you know. But since I know she's a nurse and she's been quarantining the whole time, I've been quarantining. I don't really feel like it's a humongous risk. 
It's because you're a bad boy, Bob. You're a risk-taking badass. You're yeah, a badass well, motherfucker taking newspapers from unknown health old ladies, you badass. It's clear, it's clear Bob plays by his own rules. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, man, I felt like such a bloody rebel when I got when I got pulled over sitting on a park bench by a guy on an ATV, and the cop was like, hey, I'm, hey. He's like, I can see you're reading here. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you know, this is park property. And I'm like, yes. He goes, well, technically parks are closed. And I'm like, uh-huh, sure. I'm like, you give me a ticket? He's like, no, I just wanted you to know. And I was like, so can I leave? He's like, he's like, I would appreciate it if you did. And I was like, okay, I'll leave. So I left. But I mean, that level of feeling like a badass for that, like you're breaking the law, breaking the law, hey, when really yeah. you're just sitting on a park bench reading a book, like that's where we've gotten these days. Right. That's what I mean when I say we have to think about this with a little bit of common sense, right? I hear in the background, I hear you, you're sitting there reading and it's just like, born to be wild, right? Exactly, exactly. And it's completed by the motorcycle noise right. of the four-wheeler yeah, four yeah. coming up over the hill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like just, a middle-aged dude just, who's like poorly just, shaven. Just pans up like from your motorcycle to your boots and up, and it's just you flipping pages. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just reading a book. And a cowboy hat, and then the book comes down, and it's like, what? What the fuck? Yeah, exactly. What do you think so, that guy's purpose was? What was his MO when he came over to you? Just like I don't know exactly what was going on. I don't know exactly what's going on. I saw the I saw the city bylaw guys riding through on their bikes in the yellow jackets a minute before that. So I knew that what they were doing was they were clearing people who weren't socially distancing. However, the paranoia has become so extreme, and it's not even paranoia. It's the fact that some people are too fucking stupid to understand very simple things like quarantine and how to stay away from one another. And so you have groups of individuals who ruin normalcy for the rest of us by being too ignorant to follow the rules. Right. So what you get is, again, the city worker guys come down, and they're looking around, and they see people not paying attention and not obeying the rules, so they have to say something. And they're on an enforcement branch. If a city bylaw officer came in and was like, I'm sorry, son, you're under arrest, I would laugh very, very hard and just walk away. Because that's that's nothing. That's like that's a joke. Like, are you kidding? The arbiter of authority is force, and you have the right to use none. So you're really you don't exist. Like you, you're that noise in a yellow jacket that I heard earlier on. You know. <laughs> so, but so they they brought the police along to enforce the concept that you know we should all be social distancing, applied now with the idiot filter of those who have not been socially distancing. So my reading a book is only a problem because it gives other people the idea that being in these public spaces is okay. Right. Now it should be, it yeah. should be okay, except that there are certain individuals who can't social distance, won't social distance, don't understand quarantine, and pretty much should be locked up on Rikers Island until they can be you know, de-loused and released back into society. That being said, we all have to suffer because the lowest common denominator. That is always the case in any crowd control situation. And this is a crowd control situation. That's what quarantine is. We're managing large numbers of people who have despairing ideas on how much social distance is safe for them. So we have to make a call. So I know what those cops are doing. They weren't handing out tickets. They weren't arresting anybody. They were showing that there will be an arbiter of force if you continue this behavior. Fine. I get it. That's that's how we control our population. That's the way we do things. Fine. What, I, what I'm opposed to is the fact that we have a lot of these standards and um, regulations that I don't think were thought about with a normal person's behavior in mind. We took the outliers. We took those who won't behave, those who won't pay attention, those who are incapable of of understanding the, the seriousness of the situation and use that baseline demographic as the set rule for all of us. It's necessary, but it still pisses me off. I mean, isn't that mo a lot of laws? Like, aren't a lot of laws the lowest common absolutely. denominator? Like, Absolutely. That's where you see the difference between social law and civil law. Like, laws on the books and laws of, you know, for example, before right. marijuana was legalized, 
everybody was smoking it anyway, but the law was it's illegal. You can't have it. The contradiction there was even judges stopped uh, prosecuting these cases <clears throat> because it was pointless. <clears throat> it was stupid and it was pointless. Right. They, did, they knew that it didn't really reflect the true reality of the population. Not at all. Not to mention the fact that you, you started polling citizens and saying, do you think it's a crime? And even those who weren't smoking it were like, well, no, not really. It's just kind of, I think these guys are stoners. Like, whatever. They're dumbasses. Who cares? Like, right. fuck off. You know? Right. <laughs> if you want to contribute to a run on Doritos, then go ahead. Like, who cares? It's not that big a deal for most people. Do um, do you – is this the longest that – I was thinking about this earlier. Is this the longest that you've gone without being in a physical altercation since you haven't been bouncing during all of this? Yes. Yeah. Good question. <laughs> Unequivocally. Really? This is the long – this is like an NFL player not going to war every weekend and getting That's like – yeah. Really? So let's talk about that. What is that like? You're getting some recovery time, big fella. Yeah, it's a bit weird. I caught myself, like, you know, working out doing katas and stuff in the basement, like wishing I had a heavy bag and things like that, you know? Because, like, it's not because I want to hit people per se, but, like, the, the, the physical element of my job adds to the adrenaline rush. It makes part of it valuable. It, you know, you feel like you've accomplished something sometimes and you have to, like, get into a hard situation and cope with it. Right. And the hard situation I have nowadays is whether or not I burn my bagel making a BLT in the morning. And that's kind of like <laughs> anticlimactic when you think about it. Do you yeah. have a stretch routine before you uh, before you work in the club? Like, do you yeah. limber up before a shift? And are you Absolutely. not? Are you doing that now or not? And are you missing Absolutely, I am. Yeah, I do. I do it routinely. It's like, that's a good question, Naz. Some guys do, some guys don't. It depends on how I feel. It depends on what I'm doing, I guess. But most of the time when I get to work, I do a very simple thing. It's very simple. I do a couple of toe touches to limber up the lower back. And then I'll roll the neck. And just pop the spine like that. And that's about good enough. If I have to exert myself more than that during the night, then we're in trouble anyway. So. If you, if you were to look at, like, bouncing the way that people look at sports – and this is time off for you to heal injuries. Did you have any like bouncing injuries that you had going into this that you've been blessed for the rest? Well, I got a few bruises that have gone away. Um, I guess one of the things is, you know, not being on your feet as much has been good for like, you know, my, my planetar fasciitis, like the, the arches in my feet and, Hasn't been bad on the back and stuff like that. I haven't been doing because the thing is, when you stand, you may not realize how much how much pressure you're putting on your body. But when you stand for like 23 hours or more straight, you you really realize after a while it's like just the, holding up your body it can be a pretty taxing process on your limbs, right? So my knees definitely less sore and stuff like that. Old injuries are not as painful, but at the same time. I'm also, you know, going slowly broke and crazy. So, frankly, like, I don't know. I would trade it all away for a couple nights of work right now, to be honest with you. Right. What would you – is there anything that you've thought of shifting to do in the meantime? Any other uh, source of gainful employment? Yeah, I've got a little bit of income coming in from some construction work that I do. Nice. Um, I'm allowed to do some stuff. Like, we're working on a fence job because it's in someone's backyard and it's just me and my father, it's about as social distant as you can be. Right. So we're allowed to carry on with some of that work on, 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 on a contractual basis because we already had the contract booked before the closure. So we're allowed to finish up um, outstanding contracts and stuff like that. So I got a little bit of that, a couple of private projects. Like I said, I'm building a, a, a Murphy bed for my ex-wife, which is kind of funny because it's one of those beds that folds up into the wall. Right. I love Murphy I keep, beds. I keep, having these yeah. fantasies. I keep having these fantasies about making the springs like extra hardcore. So it like folds up like a Venus flytrap and never opens again. <laughs> That's just a joke. She's cool. I, I, people are helping me out. I'm doing the best I can. You know, my dad's amazing. Like, you know, I, I'm doing all right. It's just, it's just frustrating. I'd like my life back at this point. You know, it's getting to that point where I, I understand and I get it and I'm not, I'm not bitter or upset about it. 
but you lose a lot when you're a highly social individual and I am, and you end up stuck in a situation that's very antisocial. I can't believe it's people are actually protesting at Queens Park. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's just, that's, that's too far for me to, that seems like, I understand why they are. I really do. Our government's management of the situation has been interesting at best, stupid at worst, and at the most frightening, it's been a grab on democracy that we're all going to have to discuss for the next five or six years before we, we lay it all straight. I mean, it's not as simple as what we've lost. It's as simple as will we ever get it back again? When they start using scary language, and I think it's scary to use language like, you know, viral passports and things like the idea that some people will be allowed to go back to work because they've tested positive. It sounds like Gattaca to me, you know? Right. We're, we're all of a sudden you're, you're taking people's medical tests as a, a social status sign. It's just one more level of control and liberty lost that we don't need. It's 1984 in a nutshell, you know, and it's not, it's not required because the numbers don't even that out. Like this is not, this is not the zombie apocalypse. It's a humongous world tragedy and I'm not cheapening that at all, but I'm going to say this and I'm going to say it on the record. So, you know, in five years, we can look back on these videos and say, Bob was right yet again. But here we go. This is not going to kill everyone on earth. In fact, it's not going to kill a substantial proportion of us. That does not mean that it's not a tragedy on a human and personal and global scale. What it means is that the reactions we have now and the reactions we carry forward with going through this crisis are pivotal to the rights and freedoms that we will maintain after this crisis. That's key. And if we lose too much now, we'll never get it back. And that's important to remember because once, once these power brokers, these people in power have what they want, I don't know if you've noticed over the last you know, 20 years how difficult it is to take power away from people once they have it. That's the problem. Yeah, it's, it's a weird, um, it's kind of a weird situation too because like all of the, especially the, the right to gather like to not have that and it's i mean it's if, 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 if based on the science of virology so yeah i get it but no matter what the reason is it's just a dangerous thing and it's, it's a slippery it's, slope that's right it's, it's a very, slippery slope. It's a very slippery slope and it's, it's also the beginning of other kinds of legislation that we never want to see and it makes you wonder it makes you wonder you know a virus like this starts in a dictatorial communist country and our reaction to it is to align ourselves more politically with that ideology by passing laws and legislations that basically make living in a democracy similar to living in a dictatorship. And you suddenly realize all it takes is fear and we're just as vulnerable as they are. That's all it takes is right. fear. And some, some people would be like, well, how dare you? This is a real thing. And yeah, like we, it is a real thing. But there's also a measure of like when, when, at what point do we weigh things to go back? Like, I, I understand if people are protesting, it's probably because they're concerned for their own families or their business owners. They want to go back. They're afraid to lose things. They're not directly affected. Maybe they're in a business where they could be social distancing, but they're not on the essential list. So they're like, well, we could be like the shoppers drug mart and everyone has to like stand away from each other, but we're not allowed to right now. Like it's, it's weird. And the government doesn't have full solutions. So. And uh, there are other tougher, there are other tougher social questions that have to be asked right alongside that. If you really want to be pragmatic about it and look at it from a, a, a you know, a science first and a statistical based number, the people who are dying from this disease are predominantly very old or already sick. Right. And those are the demographics that always suffer the worst during any kind of disease outbreak or any kind of pandemic. At a certain point, and this is so heartless, but it has to be said, when do you leverage the future of everyone else against the future of the past? Right. When do you do that? When do you say there's going to be no economy left for our children to work in 
because we are saving our grandparents' generation from a virus. Now, I'm not saying we are at that point yet. I don't even, I'm not an expert. That's not my, that's not my place. What I am saying is that ha- as, a, as, a, as, a, as a member of this society, that has to be asked. There is a point where that will become true. And where is that point? When are we willing to accept the damage? How far can we accept that damage? And what happens to us when we do? You know, how do we rebuild? And, and I guess the fear a lot of people have is if we wait too long, there'll be nothing to rebuild. Which there's also arguments like on a, on a large scale, it's like maybe all of capitalism should kind of collapse and we have to start fresh. Like maybe, maybe all of this is a sign that the system that we have sucks and, and we need to do a better job too. Like whatever you, whatever, however. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Be that as it may. Very interesting situation. But like I said though, it still boils down to the decisions we make now are going to fundamentally change the rights that we have as citizens going forward. So all of us need to be concerned with the choices that are made out of fear. We have to accept those choices for the logic they mean, for the sanity they present, not for the fear they imply. Because if we're, if we're voting on fear and if we're living under fear, then we are slaves to fear. And someone will take advantage of that in a fucking heartbeat. And we will have to live with the consequences of that for generations to come. So I think it's very important that now, as we consider all the ways we're surviving this, we also consider the ways that our nation and that ourselves going forward are going to participate in that dialogue, which is coming whether we want it or not. So. That's a reality we live with now in this in these days of pandemic. That's a reality we live with that we're going to have to choose at some point between moving on and protectionism. There will eventually reach that point where the two are no longer compatible. And I'm not arguing that we're there now. I don't, I'm not an expert. I'm not, I'm not going to bother dipping my toe into that political hotbed. I don't think it's worth it. I think it's more important to say that will eventually, no matter what your ideology is, those two confluences events will eventually meet. And that choice has to be made. Well, so, Especially with something like travel. Like right now, everyone's pretty much been told like you shouldn't be traveling at all unless it's what? Like what, what is considered allowable? Are there actually people, like are there checkpoints? But at what point do we live in a world where we're not able to just kind of be free and go places where we want? <laughs> well, travel's one, but I, I think honestly, just the number of people who aren't working right now is insanity. I mean, we're at a point now where it, that's right. insanity. Right. But there, we more people should be back at work right now. And a lot of us, like myself, I don't qualify for most of the aid or this or that or the next thing. So it's just a, it's a, it's a very slow attrition for a very large package of the, of the, of the economy. You know, we're, a lot of us, like bar workers, a lot of bar workers are in a lot of trouble right now. Bar owners too. And a lot of small businesses, restaurants, uh, contracting companies, you name it. People are struggling really hard. And the answers are not more welfare. The answer is not you know, more government's funding or spending. The answer is we need to restart the economy somehow and we got to do it soon. Because it's not the government money, it's our money. It does. That's right. Exactly. That's the thing. The government, that's that's another misnote. It's right. Now just put that, that, that was very brilliant, important to say. The government doesn't have any money. They have our money. Right. They don't, don't, it's not like some, some, some Canada bank account. That's your money. Right. at home that's right. your money that's not their money so when they spend money on anything they're spending your money on something so you know people who are at home and thinking wow this is great i'm getting 70 percent of my income from my business because they're getting bailed out from this government fund no 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 you're paying for that right now you are and what what happens when you know four or five months down the line 
Canada just announces that they don't have any more money to pay CERB benefits. And then what? And then what? Exactly. Exactly. Or, or even, and this is also a reality that people have not mentioned, this has not been spoken about. The loans that we're foreclosing on and the money we're spending on these CERB benefits, well, that's going to have to be paid back somehow. So you think you think the taxes you're paying now are not going to go up on basically everything to cover the cost of this? Because once again, the government doesn't have any money. It's your money, which means eventually you're stuck paying the bill. It's like a credit Remember, card. What, what, what's very interesting is people think that, oh, when I pay my taxes, it goes to spending on operations and, you know, fix the roads and whatnot. When really what is interesting is that the, our political representatives, our elected representatives, have made the decision to take out loans to essentially fund these projects. And those loans come with interest. And what's that happened is, like, the general practice is that it's so overextended that our tax dollars go to pay interest on That's loans, right. not even into the infrastructure itself. It's just the, to pay the bankers that we took the loans from to do the infrastructure in the first place. So, like, for example, I believe the 407 is owned by Italy. And every time we pay tolls on it, it goes to Italy. Like, don't, don't quote me on that. But I, I'm pretty damn sure that it's, that it's, that it's foreign funded. Right. So it's a, it's a situation where citizens are victims of their own government's bad business deals. Yeah. <laughs> Look, as, an, as a resident of Ontario, we saw the need, as residents of Ontario, we saw the knee-jerk reaction to that in the last election with Ford. The reason Wynne was so unpopular was because of what she did to the electricity bills of every Ontario citizen for the next, like, 100 years. She paid off Paul to pay off Peter by borrowing money from Sally. So we owed a bunch of money. We couldn't pay it. She wanted to keep electricity rates low, so she borrowed money against it. Paid off our electricity bills, our massive electricity surplus bills, for a certain period of time and basically left that debt to the next generation because now we owe nine point whatever billion dollars, which we have to pay off. So that's going to mean in tax increases for the next government and the next government and the next government, no matter what you do because of these bad deals in the past, that was her, that was her popularity fault. <clears throat> and we're, we see this on every level of government. We've seen it for every administration. This isn't new. It isn't unique. It isn't one party versus the other. It's the way our political system works. We borrow money to pay for things, and then we pay it off with, I guess what we call human escrow for the next fucking 50 years or so. I mean, there is no money in there. It's your money, and you're going to pay for it one way or the other. That's just how it goes. See, so, this, is how, this is why we got to hit the reset button, man. We got to blow it all up. Yeah, then we all die. Then we all die because there's no fucking bread in the line. Right, right. That's true. Real well, there's that. You know, there's it, that where you doomed yourself to the other, the other obvious alternative, which is might equals right, and then I rule the world. Do you really want to live in Bob world? I don't think you do. I want to be on your team at least. No, I feel good. I feel good about our entourage's odds. We're big. We 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 roll pretty big together. We got a squad. We could feel the football team. I feel. You know what? It's like Bob said. Uh, it, it's a quote that's been taken out of context a lot. But uh, Benjamin Franklin was famous for saying, uh, "Those who trade essential freedoms for temporary security deserve neither." And right. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, I think right. we feel that now. It's like it's it's these conversations have to be had. I mean, nobody really knows definitively one way or the other, but they are going to have to be had. Guys, I got to sign off. Uh, I'm going to go take care of dinner. So yeah, buddy. Uh, thanks so much for having me on the show. And uh, for popping in, uh, great seeing you. Thanks for holding yeah, cooking, up cooking with McNabbers. We're gonna see if we can get that on again. We'll do some more, some more, some more cooking shows. That was our roving barbecue reporter and political analyst, McNabbers. <laughs> see you later, all you cool cats and kittens. Yeah, buddy. Peace, McNabbers. Peace, man. That was great. Uh, one, uh, one final thing, pandemic. One thing that that I personally don't like, and I think we need to do a better job of. Uh, is just like we need to still figure out how to be nice to people and and it goes back to what you were saying bob when people are making decisions and acting out of fear where everything's out of fear and then so 
it, there's a weird thing like a extra shaming or yelling at somebody who states in a Facebook status that they want to be outside or suggesting that they would like to go blow. How dare you? Don't you understand that we're trying to make a sacrifice and you like yell at someone? And I think people need to remember that no matter what, yelling and calling people's people names is not a good way to deal with any situation. And there's a lot of that happening right now. And you know what? And don't be wrong. Sometimes it's really fun to yell at someone and call them names. Be like, sure. you're a fucking idiot. And I love it because I'm in my house and I got nothing better to do. However, I mean, if you're having a party, if you're having a house party right now with 30 people in your house, you are a fucking idiot because that's, yeah, a lot of that's things. right. You're a humongous dick. But like the other day, my best friend got beat up by some guys in his neighborhood. I went down to visit him because that needed to happen. He needed human contact and you can't get human contact through a fucking cell phone. It can't happen. And so fuck you. If you think I broke quarantine, that's a fucking problem. Then you can suck my dick because I don't care. The fact is he needed human contact and I was there. That's called being a human being. You got to be empathetic on both sides of the scale and true empathy, not fucking virtue signaling, not pretending like you care about what's going on. No care about it, but be reasonable. Like be fucking reasonable to each other. You know, that's all I'm asking. If someone says to me, I'd like to be outside in the sunlight and walking around, you're damn right you would, and so would I. So you know what? That's okay. I get that want. As long as you can temper that with the understanding that maybe you can't do that right now, that's okay. You know? And I don't think anybody should be punished for feeling like this sucks. Because you know what? This does fucking suck. I'm not a huge fan of it, you know? But at the same time, you have to be pragmatic. you got to realize, okay, it sucks. It really does. But we can and we will get through this. And speaking of human contact, we appear to have made contact with some of our favorite humans. It looks like uh, simultaneously we've had uh, Trev Catch 22 join and live from New York City. We've got my brother Chris Larson uh, on the line as well. Oh, That's fantastic. Cool. And that also looks like Sophie. Oh, uh, there she is. <laughs> it's kind of a Sophie. It's like a half Sophie. It's part of a soap. Wow. It's like a it's full cool. soap. Yeah. Nice uh, nice of you guys to tune in. It's good to see you here. How are things uh, over there? All all is uh, all is well here. You know. Um, yeah. I just I just wanted to get I wanted to get my face on the camera for this episode. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, that's for the screenshot right there, for the episode screenshot. <laughs> uh, yeah. Can we do like a Voldemort thing and put like a Sophie's face on the back of Sophie's head too so we can have like – I think we can post-production that. Yeah, we'll it kind of looks like um, the snake from uh, – her arm kind of looks like the snake from Beetlejuice. Yes, Absolutely. When the, when the banister turns into a snake with his head, I, I totally know that scene. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And she, yeah, she's kind of like that right now. Right, right, right. So you guys missed uh, so far some great pandemic talk. We talked about Bob's hobbies, uh, which are Pornhub, video games, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. We didn't talk too much about that. We had a roving report from our barbecue reporter, Nabbers slash political analyst. We got. Uh, oh, okay. I'm glad. Yep. Wow. Sheps has yeah, been he quoted Benjamin Franklin while barbecuing chicken wings. That's a pretty amazing thing right there. I was barbecuing as well earlier, chicken, yeah. I think oh, I might have saw you on your barbecue from, from across the way earlier today. That, that's, you guys that's need flare you guns. You guys, you guys are like you're at some kind of sandals resort for COVID. It's like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I got one ninety-nine cent store open here, and uh, that's, that's about it, you know. Right. Did you pay extra oh. for the room with the vibrating bed? You didn't hear me. <laughs> so, yeah, no, seriously. From New York, from New York, what the hell is going on down there, man? We're just all locked in our houses, man. Like, there's. No, you know, I know, but like, you see, you see Trump on one side and Cuomo on the other side. Like, what's going on on the streets with the people? Like, how are you doing, man? Oh, there are no people on the streets, bro. Like, well, that's I, what I mean, but I, you know, colloquially, you know, I, you know, when I go out, when I go out, there's, there's nothing going on here, like nothing, you know, there's grocery, grocery stores and, and pharmacies. That's the only thing going on. Like I've been seeing your pictures up on the Instagram and stuff of the empty streets. It's crazy. Yeah, no, man. that's, that's just me. That's just me wandering around the streets. 
you know, New York, just what I, I got, you know, I got to run downtown and see some people on occasion, but you know, so I just take shots and I need to get out of the house. Fucking drive sure. Of course. Somebody on my Facebook today posted a, an article that all of this was the result of an impending asteroid heading this way. So they've masked it in the virus just so that we don't all freak out that we're about to die from an asteroid. Yeah, we got, right. we got three of them this week, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we wouldn't get hit with, with the asteroid itself, but we could get hit, hit with a fragment. So this is our way of like, let's keep everyone inside. No, that's what it, isn't that? That's what Andromeda strain was. The right. comet went. The comet went by and dusted the planet. You know, and so that's maybe, that's right. maybe it was just a guy posting a link to Andromeda strain. Mm -hmm. That's funny. Another show that's up on Netflix. You guys should all watch if you want to kill like a good hundred hours just to rot your brain. You ever seen um, Ancient Aliens? Hmm. What a fantastic show! You know what's funny about that? I don't care if the ancient astronaut theory is real or not, they're bringing up some interesting shit on that show, like places and things that couldn't be built with technologies there, like pre-Incan structures. These are people who didn't have the wheel, but they have yeah. like, you know, 100 ton stone blocks on the top of a, a 3,000 foot mountain. What? No. Yeah, no. You know, how do you do Long that, right? Lines. So Strong regardless lines. of how they did it, it's fascinating. It's really fascinating. It's food for the imagination, right? For the creative mind, it's just food. Yeah, I'm with right. you, bro. We said, we said hi, but I'm going to say bye. You want to go back to it? I got to get back to it. Um, hey, survive, y'all. We love you guys. Goodbye. Hope you feel better. Thank you. Bye-bye. Goodbye, back of woman's head. <laughs> nice. That was a nice uh, little cameo there. That was good. That was solid. That's one for the, uh, that's one for the highlights. That's never happened before. But I think you're. I think you're right. I think you're right. It is. It is quite fascinating. These places and how they built. How they built this stuff. And if they if they made all these alignments by accident, then that's yeah. that's even more amazing. That's know? exactly right. That's how it goes. I mean, you think about all these things and you wonder to yourself, you know, could it be coincidental? And if it is, that's an amazing stack of causality there. You know, mm -hmm. like almost impossible from a mathematical standpoint, but really fantastically interesting. So, so yeah, well, like I said, uh, yeah, but it shows you, it shows you, it shows you how in exactly the same environment, someone, two people can have this idea. Two civilizations have this idea about how to do something. Yeah. Uh, and, and they do it without the technology to a precision that we can't even fathom with, with our right. technology. But, well, they didn't have airplanes. Yeah, or like cutting crystal along the, you know, against the grain, that kind of thing. All kinds of stuff that even today we find very difficult to do. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Lifting, lifting the blocks for the pyramids would, would take a dozen cranes, a massive construction site, the, the scale of which you haven't seen in even the building of like, you know, ma major amphitheaters or sports arenas. I mean, just crazy amounts of effort, you know, human I effort. They say that one of those stones, one of those stones would have to be put into place every two minutes. Yeah. If, you know, to, to take 20 years. That's right. Yeah, that's right. They had the logs of how long it took to build these things. And literally, it, it means they had work crews going 24 hours a day. And these people were not unskilled. They must have known exactly what they were doing or it never would have happened. Hmm. These, are, these are advanced construction projects. So that's one of the things I've been, John. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely into the kind of science fiction -y history. I lean more to the idea like the, you know, Lemurians or people who believe that there's an era of human history that we're just missing. Oh yeah. And I, I find that easy to believe considering if you took a modern house today and buried it in the ground for a thousand years, there'd be nothing left. Mm -hmm. Like most of the modern construction techniques we use are purely disintegratable. They just, there'd be nothing left but bits of plastic and, you know, You'd never yeah. know. And if a glacier churned it up, you'd never find enough of it to have any idea it ever existed at all. So that's kind of cool. Nah, man. They're going to find our YouTube pages. They're going to know it all. We're going to live forever, man. 
Yeah, that's only if they find one functioning hard drive after the bombs go off, right? Right. Either way, though, I think it's fascinating to consider. And in times when we're so close to the end of the world as we know it, it's always fun to think about the fact that the world itself might be just part of a larger story. You know, that's entirely possible. Yeah, what do you and think I, is I, going on? Chris, I, actually, Chris, I actually find that helpful or hopeful. Chris, you are, uh, you're very big, for those who don't know, uh, you're very big into astrophysics and uh, universal things. I would guess that you've read most of the leading books and um, theory uh, over the years. What's, uh, what's actually going on? In a nutshell, well, uh, what's happening? What is all this? Um, from, what I can, from what I can ascertain, uh, even the, the skeptic Michael, Michael Shermer, you know who that is? Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you know who, uh, who's the other guy? Graham, Graham Hancock? Do you know who he is? No, no I'm not as familiar with that one, no. Okay, well, look Hancock's uh, brother? Yeah, white, white English brother. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's on Joe Rogan. He's on Joe Rogan a lot. Uh, but, but he's got a lot of study in the ancient architecture. He's definitely, if you watch uh, Ancient Aliens, he's, he's quoted on there. You've seen him before. You know, sure. but, uh, but there was some vindication that Gobekli Tepe, do you know what that is? You yes, know what I in, do. In, in, okay. That in Turkey, right? In, in Iran, right? I in don't. Turkey, I right? never, every time you say, uh, you know who that is? Do you know what this is? Bob <laughs> says yes, and I have no idea. But you guys just keep forging through it. Like, he's like, you're, 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 Bob's already up to speed with you. And I'm like, I don't know how any of these people Well, Gopekla Tepe is a fascinating site. They discovered under a, under a goat herder's uh, field. Essentially, it was a bunch of buried monuments that were constructed and then buried in the sand. And they had sculptural evidence of animal life and stuff on them that was not indigenous to the region at the time. So it's kind of like an ark in stone buried under the desert. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, and it's also about, about what, what's been vindicated and, and what's most important about it is that all the dating of the site puts it at about 14 and a half thousand years ago, which, yeah. which is about 6,000 years farther back than any civilized history that we know of. Or That's right. Also written, civilizations. Also and no one, no one believed it. No one believed that that could be the case, and that the Sphinx, the Sphinx also dates like the geological erosion and stuff around the Sphinx means that it has to be from around thirteen thousand, fourteen thousand years ago, which right. I think is is something like you know eight to ten thousand years sooner than our modern historians tell us that civilizations existed. But there was yeah, just a, yeah. there. There was just a study done that Shermer, Shermer had to sort of apologize to Graham Hancock because this survey now says that, yes, that, you know, modern science has now said that these things are in fact dated to those times and that clearly we're wrong with where we're marking civilization. Yeah, and the reason, the reason we set those civilization markers where we did was because of the end of the last ice age. Right, so right. we start to ask questions like, were people building giant stone monuments during the Ice Age, or were they buried before that? And then you're going back to, you know, geological time, prehistoric, I mean, crazy, crazy breaths, hundreds of thousands of years, frankly, which is mental, you know, by the, by the reckoning of modern historical science, especially in the Darwinistic philosophy. So, yeah, absolutely. That's really intense, man. So that's, that's what's going on. That's what's going on in that world. The good you know. news, though, is when we're all long gone, people will know exactly what happened to us, where we were, how we lived, because they'll be able to listen to our back catalog of episodes <laughs> on YouTube and all podcast platforms. Yeah, and how many back episodes, how many back catalog episodes do we have there, Mr. Lars? Uh, we just today posted number 35, which if you listened to us uh, live last week was Paul Thompson, comedian Paul Thompson. It's yeah, Paul Thompson was awesome. What a cool guy. We got to do more shit with him too. I want to get together with him and, and, and uh, do nude finger painting while high on mushrooms. The name of the episode is 420 Animal Orgy. And 
for those of you who already listened or if you haven't uh, listened or watched it go watch it and you'll know why it's called 420 animal orgy nice you know i think that's probably a pretty good place to to bring her to a close tonight call it yeah make sure to follow bob on 39 at 39 dd show as well on instagram yeah, and you know what also you can comment uh send me messages I will try to get back to you guys if you have any weird questions about my philosophies on science or religion or D&D or video games. By all means, interact with me. I have no problem attempting to play that game, so I will. I love following our own Instagram because our Instagram, because we're separated, is mostly Bob. Like, I'm on there and posting sometimes, but it's mainly Bob. So the more you post, the more I get to see you and kind of, like, virtually hang out with you. So I love it. Continue. Well, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I want to send another shout out to to Trev. I'm glad he got a little face drop in there. It was nice to see him. I know he's been dealing with, uh, you know, personal traumas at home with the, the faceless woman because she had her uh, a hard day, and that's difficult. And I'm glad they made it through it. I'm glad to see them. A, a little birdie said it might have been a green out, which is a little too much weed. It was a it was a weed reaction apparently. Could have been which a new a totally, one. Which is a totally legitimate response. I've had those myself, so I get it. Right. No, sometimes uh, it's, that's good. That's, we're flexible. We run a tight ship, but we're flexible and fluid. We held down the fort for him. And uh, right. he'll, he'll be back. He'll be back next week, I'm sure. He'll be back loud and proud for all y'all. Yeah. All right. Uh, New York City, Chris, any right. final parting words from me? It was great to see you, man. Good chatting with you again. You know, don't, uh, don't touch your face. You know, they, they're still they're still sticking with that. That hasn't changed. You know. All right, so we'll keep that one. Don't okay. That's our that's our that's our exiting words here are don't touch don't your face. Touch, don't touch your face.